My name is Nick Offenkamp, and you're listening to Gospel Stories, a podcast that shares the stories of Cities Church members and their experience of walking with God and finding His grace in life's difficulties. In this episode, I'm honored to share the story of Linda Sandiger. Linda shares about her experience living as a missionary in China and about the unique trials she faced and how Jesus became more real to her through the hardships she endured. I was super encouraged by my time with Linda, and I'm sure you will be too. So here's the episode. College sounds like was a really formative time for you, mm-hmm. being part of campus outreach yeah. and worshiping as part of Bethlehem Baptist mm-hmm. in, in downtown Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you first start to feel a call towards missions or towards China? Uh, China was never on my radar. Yeah. <laughs> like, not at all until mm. after I graduated from college, actually. Um, in college, as I read the Bible and as I learned about uh, people groups around the world and just the limited access that people have for the gospel, I um, started to want to be a part of it. And I would pray with a group every Thursday night for the nations and we would look up different people groups. And then my junior year of college, I had the opportunity to go to Thailand for a summer and teach the kids of some missionaries who live on a college campus there. And that was kind of the first exposure that I had to missions living. And I really liked the way that their team served one another. I really loved learning about new cultures. I was going to school to be an elementary school teacher. And so the teaching seemed to fit, but uh, the role wasn't quite right. I I felt myself uh, more drawn to university students and working with them. And so kind of put it on hold and um, was back and forth between, you know, working with college students or working in public schools here in Minnesota. And then after I graduated, actually, I heard about the organization that I work for and they uh, send teachers, um, but you're also part of a team of other Christians who are reaching out to their students and sharing the gospel with them. And so it, it was a really good fit of both teaching English as well as um, moving abroad. And China just happened to sort of be the country that they sent me to. And mm. I kind of, I was excited and adventurous and I just thought, oh, why not commit for two years to go to China? And um, at that time, wasn't really sure how long I would be there or um, wasn't sure of my future, but I figured, well, a few years can't hurt. And um, so that's kind of how I ended up there. And now that I look back, I never say never (laughs) to what the Lord is going to ask you to do because it's five years later and I'm still in China and just is not what I would have imagined for my life at all. What's it like being a Christian over there? China is a hard place to live. Um, there, although Christians are growing in number, uh, discipleship is hard to find and, uh, churches that speak the gospel, um, that teach the Bible are hard to find. And, um, there's kind of competition between, the communist party and sort of, uh, you know, China being your faith, basically, mm-hmm. um, there's a, between that and, and the Lord, and there's just always that conflict. Uh, a lot of girls that I've spent time with who were new believers, they really, really struggled, especially maybe like six months after they became Christians. It, it's just their whole world being flipped upside down and, uh, you know, a lot of misconceptions, their families don't really understand why they need to be Christians. Their parents might be afraid that they're never gonna, you know, get married or they're not gonna 
meet a Christian and, um, and just a lot of mistrust mm. towards faiths, I would say in general. And, um, but it's totally legal to be a Christian there. You're just not supposed to share proselytize. And so as long as people are sort of minding their own business, it's okay. Um, but if people are getting more vocal about, uh, social issues and personal rights, things like that, um, then that's kind of when you'll hear, you know, about certain churches getting broken up or, Mm. Um, so it's really complicated. It's very ambiguous and one city might be different than another city. The city I live in doesn't have a great church option. There, there's some house churches that I don't go to for the safety of those house churches. The Mm. foreign involvement really is what the government is trying to avoid. Um, and so it's just best not to be involved with that. But in other cities, I have been able to go to um, some what they call three self churches, which are endorsed by the government and are free to, to be there and exist. And hmm. um, so one city that might be really good in another city, not so much. And so I suppose just like here, it varies <laughs> church by church, um, sure. gospel preaching or not, but it can feel dark and it can feel, um, especially on campus, there's a lot of students who are searching for meaning, searching to be loved. And um, you just know that Jesus is what they're looking for. And it's a matter of how long they'll be struggling before they find that answer. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe if you just want to even give us a little bit of context of just what what your living situation is like, maybe a little bit about the, the city that you're in or a little bit about the school, just any details that kind of would be helpful for us to have a better picture of mm. what a day in the life of Linda looks like <laughs> when you're in China. Every day is not quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, depending on the day, it's really exciting and fun, or it's just really frustrating. It depends on how you're doing that day. But um, I live on campus, and I live in a building with other foreign teachers from around the world. And uh, I teach my classes on campus so I can walk to school. And uh, How many students are in your classes? I teach classes of 30 students and 45 students. Okay. So total... Let's see, last semester, my total was probably over 200 students. Yeah, so you really have to focus on a few because you just teach so many. Yeah. Um, So I typically teach about 20 hours a week of classroom time. And then I do a lot of one-on-one time with students. So it's really easy to eat lunch with students on campus um, it's really fun to invite them over to, you know, bake cookies and experience hobbies and things that maybe they've never experienced before. Mm. And so my typical day, I might have a class all morning and then maybe in the afternoon I've scheduled to meet up with a student. I've played badminton with students before. I've uh, gone for walks with students, um, went to a tea shop with them. Uh, so there's just a variety of different ways to, to build friendships. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes that's me initiating and knowing a few students who either seemed interested or just, you know, were in, wanted to spend time together. Um, sometimes it's them asking you like, Oh, we want, we want to, you know, learn about American culture or, um, I need help with this speech. And so, um, there's really a lot of room to be flexible on that. Cool. Cool. That's great. Do you have a favorite, um, activity that you can do in China that you can't do in the United States? Hmm. Favorite activity. Or that's at least more popular over there. Uh, there is this really fun thing that friends do together. Um, it's called KTV. Okay. So it's, basically like karaoke but it's like a closed room 
And it also has a TV screen that has like the music videos on it. Yeah. And tons of lights and and it's people go to these KTV places and you get your own room and then you um, choose, you know, whatever pop songs you want and you take turns singing it and they they'll do this all night long. I can last maybe two solid hours and my voice is gone, yeah. but it's, it's really popular yeah. and, um, something that I just don't see around here very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, I know. What's, uh, what's your favorite, uh, KTV song? Oh to, man. You know, if you, if you got to pick one that you're just going to really jam out to, what's your song? Oh man, there's so many good ones. Um, I would say... Uh, like the classic Justin Bieber songs, Taylor Swift, Beyonce. If I were a boy, that yeah. one's pretty. This one's pretty popular too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy them all. I really do. Taylor Swift is a, a huge favorite in China, and yeah. so um, students always want to sing her songs too. And so. they're singing them in English. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Taylor Swift, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's great. Good. Well, um, as believers uh, in reading the New Testament, we we know that in this world we're going to have trials and tribulations. Peter tells us not to be surprised when we face trials. James tells us to count it all joy when we face trials of of various kinds. And so for every believer, and really for every person, just to be human, to live in a fallen world, is to experience hardship, is to experience loss. Mm -hmm. And as believers, that can often test our faith. And so, as you know, the purpose of this this podcast, the Gospel Stories podcast, is to to talk about those different testings of our faith, those different trials that we've we've gone through, and uh, and then to talk about like how on the, the other side we can see God's wisdom in having us go through those things, mm-hmm. uh, how Jesus has become more real to us through them. So I'd love for. Uh, for you to share about one of those times in your own life where where your faith has been tested, where you've walked through a, a trial. Tell us what that was what that was like for you, what what was making life difficult, hard, painful. Uh, for me I think that the trial has been sort of building. So kind of starting um, from some hard things about living overseas and then sort of snowballing into some other things. Uh, so yeah, I think in maybe the past year or so it's been kind of a hard season and, you know, there's really exciting things about living overseas and it tests my faith and it helps me to rely on the Lord and just understand a whole new group of people it's a really big blessing, um, but there's also a lot of sacrifice involved, and there's some really hard days, and there's some really lonely times, um, times when you feel very misunderstood by your host country because you're a foreigner, and also misunderstood by your home country because you're sort of this like new person (laughs) every summer that I come back, I kind of, you know, realize ways that maybe I've changed or, um, you start to wonder, well, where is my home? And sort of been a good way of, of truly living out that my citizenship is in heaven Mm -hmm. as Philippians says. And so kind of having to come to grips with some of that, like, will I ever really like feel settled here or there or wherever? And, um, just the emotional toll that the back and forth and change of teams and, um, living as, as a guest and doing things wrong and everything taking twice as long and just, um, just to name a few. But so that kind of started last year where I really started questioning, 
you know, how long can I do this? And, um, and yet you're seeing the need. And so it's sort of that tension between, you know, well, these people need the gospel, but I'm super tired. I need the gospel too. I need people to tell me the gospel. And, um, so that kind of started this questioning of, you know, where am I supposed to live? Am I supposed to be in China long-term? Um, and then also watching some friends kind of walk away from him, some Chinese friends who couldn't count the costs and just saw that it was too hard. Um, their parents were pressuring them or their boyfriend was pressuring them. And, and so it was sort of a combination of all these things where I felt like the Lord wasn't really listening that, you know, don't you see what my Chinese friend is going through or, um, you could fix this, you could heal this, but you're not. And, um, and wondering, you know, who knows me, who wanting to be known and feeling myself being in want of this or that, or, comforts or, um, friendships back here or a consistent church. And so I think just really doing a lot of wrestling with, you know, is Jesus truly my greatest treasure? Am I acting like he is, or am I searching for my greatest treasure in these other things? And, um, so after that, um, I moved again. And so this fall I moved to a new city and, uh, had to adjust to a new team again. And we had a lot of really hard things happen that seem small in and of themselves, like the electricity going out and the power, the power of the water, um, last minute schedules, just not being able to hold on to any sort of structure. Um, and they were all happening at the same time. And, um, and so, it was sort of like one thing after another. And then when I started to, you know, when we got into a rhythm then I started getting sick. So in about November, I started to feel things I had never felt before, um, intense migraines and just aches and pains and, um, irregular heartbeat and, um, feeling like I was going to throw up every time I ate and, uh, just really scary stuff where I didn't know what was going on and the doctors didn't know what was going on. And I had to travel to Shanghai. Um, then I went to Hong Kong and stayed in the hospital there for about three days. And during that time, kind of that same, you know, Lord, do you hear me? Are you, why are you silent? Why are you, you know, making me go through these things when I could be doing my job on campus way more efficiently. Mm -hmm. I could be reaching out to students, but all I'm doing right now is trying to get through the next day. And mm -hmm. I would go and teach class and then I would have to get in my bed afterwards and just lay down and um, felt like my vision wasn't there. Felt like the brain fog was just overwhelming and I wasn't able to read. I wasn't able to think and, and so, you know, I stopped reading my Bible. Um, I went into kind of a survival, like, right, you just got to figure out what's wrong with you. And, um, yeah, I just didn't each night that I would try to fall asleep. It was sort of like, all right, how am I going to wake up in the morning? And am I going to wake up, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I didn't know what was wrong with me, that was really very scary. And, um, I did come back to the U S and for treatment and, um, to go to Mayo clinic and, uh, was really thankful for that opportunity as sick as I felt. Um, he was still taking care of me <laughs> and, uh, my family really helped and really took care of me. I had to have Mayo Clinic so close. That was a huge blessing. And my team really came together to cover my classes. And so for me, coming back, um, I was able to see that even though I wasn't always asking for the right things when I was praying, he was providing those needs for me. He was building people around me to take care of me and um, 
people who genuinely cared and prayed and um, sometimes we don't always feel that, but we see the patterns and we look and, oh, God is taking care of me um, even when we're mad at him or even when we're feeling angry. Um, so for me, that's been a huge way that I've seen his grace. Hmm. And um, I did finally find out what was wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was a huge blessing as well. Just to have an answer. Of, it's called SIBO. It's a too much bacteria in your small intestine. And it, because of the nutritional problems for the rest of your body, it just creates these strange symptoms that it's hard to get to the root of it. And so mm-hmm. a lot to be thankful for. Um, and his faithfulness, even when, I felt like I wasn't doing the right things. Like I'd love to say that like every, every day I was praying for two hours before going to school to feel better, you know, things like that. But sometimes it was just like, why Lord, (laughs) why are you allowing me to go through this? And why do I feel so alone? Why can't there, why can't I get better? What am I supposed to do next? Why do I need to come all the way back to the States when it was so unexpected? And, um, but he doesn't always share his plans with us, but he is faithful to bring us through them. Even if we're not feeling the things that we want to feel. Yeah. 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 It's really good. I mean, and there's a, there's a lot there. One of the first things that you had, had said, being a, a missionary, cross culture, living in a in a foreign place, being a foreigner, mm-hmm. truly, I mean that's an experience in and of itself. And then trying to relate that back to folks like myself that are mm-hmm. here in the United States. It's mm-hmm. like I've never been to China. Probably most of the people who are even in your your family or mm-hmm. that are in your your church body, like never been to China, don't have like the kind of categories to really like appreciate the the difficulties that, that you face just being a, being a foreigner. And so you said like that you really feel like this, what Philippians says, that like your citizenship is not on this earth, mm-hmm. but your citizenship is, is in heaven. But maybe just, yeah, describe a little bit more just how you felt that, that dynamic Help me as somebody who's never been to China, never served in, in the same sort of long-term cross-cultural missions mm-hmm. uh, as best as you can. Help us understand that experience of where is my home mm-hmm. and what kind of questions that that raises then as it relates to where are you, God? What are you doing, God, mm-hmm. in, in this? Yeah. Um. I think when I come back to the U.S., I'm always really happy to be here and really happy to um, spend the time with people here. And this is, I would still relate more with American culture than I probably would with Chinese culture. Um, But I think sometimes people forget that I've been in China they don't forget that I've been there, but they forget that I've gone through this big transition back to the U.S., that there's things that have changed. And although I'm happy to be back, usually that means I'm also grieving friendships that are also in China. And so there's just this in-between stage. Um, whereas, you know, people might see that I'm back and say, like, oh, you must be so happy to be back. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I I am, but I'm sort of like just trying to figure things out right now. Um, And funny things happen. I mean, I have a few funny stories of just ways that I forgot about like people's personal space in the grocery store. or I've gotten a lot of dirty looks of, you know, you're standing too close to me or I've just gotten used to Asia living and. Uh, you know, they think the elevator is full here, but I'm like, come on, we could pile like 15 more people in here. And so those are kind of funny examples. But um, yeah, it's it's sort of this 
I don't know how else to describe it other than you're in this in-between world of, you know, being two, two places at once and, um, kind of a hybrid of two different cultures. And, um, I think for me, what it's really brought out is just this longing to be known, this desire to be known by people, um, to be known by teammates and to be known by people back here who uh, it's, it's just easy to be misunderstood. Just like we all misunderstand people, you know, we Mm -hmm. think we have people figured out and we don't. Um, and so Psalm 139 has been a staple passage for me that the Lord has known us. He knows us and that he searches out our path and he's acquainted with all of our ways. And, um, in Psalm 23, actually, that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. It's funny that some of those that you learn from a really young age, they're the ones that stick. And those are the ones that I kept coming back to throughout this year and during my sickness, but also times of transition where, um, where I can forget that I'm deeply known by the Lord, that Mm. Jesus is the one that I'm searching for. But there's this illusion that, oh, if I only lived here or if I only, um, you know, went to this church consistently or had the same teammates for three years, then I would feel this like deep satisfaction. It would never be in want, but, um, I don't know. Those Psalms are in there for a reason. And I think it's Mm -hmm. human nature to think that there's something better that we're missing out on when resting in him and sometimes speaking those truths that we don't always feel like in my transitions, I'm known by the Lord, even if I'm not feeling that, or if I'm not, I'm not hearing him say that to me or, you know, when he feels silent to me, um, reading truth that is true mm-hmm. <laughs> whether or not I'm feeling it in that moment. So, yeah, yeah, that's so good and so helpful because you're right on that. We all want to be known. Yeah. And then it's so easy for everything, but even in wanting to be known to feel like the grass is going to be greener on mm-hmm. the other side. But then when we consider like the closest relationships that we have with family and with brothers and sisters or with spouses it's like even uh even the people that are closest to us don't know us perfectly like misunderstand us Mm -hmm. like don't don't fully get or appreciate what we're going through and so that is so precious to be to be known fully Mm -hmm. by god to be loved Mm -hmm. fully by god like that he has uh perfect sympathy for the exact circumstances that that we're in so that's that's really helpful uh, the thoughts there also i wanted to ask so you mentioned that uh, a couple of the students that you'd gotten pretty close with that were believers professing believers that you had been discipling mm-hmm. and then the pain of seeing them walk away from the faith which I mean, I've had friends walk away from the faith, and it's it just rips your heart out. Mm-hmm. And to some, maybe this is a, a false assumption, but to some extent too, like there's a part of me that just imagines like that would be even more difficult in in the context of being in China, where mm-hmm. it just it seems like having Christian brothers sisters would be even more like precious in mm-hmm. a in a culture like that, where it's not like. You know, there's a church on every half mile corner or something like that. So, yeah, talk to me more about just how that had affected you of of seeing these Chinese believers that you had invested in and gotten close with mm-hmm. walking away from from Jesus. Yeah, I, I think seeing those girls walk away was was definitely one of those areas um, of why I was questioning the Lord and his goodness. And, you know, there's so many people who don't believe Lord, like, why can't these 
two girls <laughs> continue in their walk with you and um and I have faith that they will come back someday. I truly think that their hearts were changed. Mm -hmm. I think that um, they're just going through a really hard time and they need time to say Jesus is better. Mm. And um, I believe the promises of John 10 of that no one will be snatched from his hand. And um, so but it's hard. It does rip your heart out. You said that well. And I think just the how long it takes to build friendships with people to get to that point of trust and then the celebration that happens with, you know, a new life and them turning to the Lord. And then for those first few weeks, seeing the transformation of their life, um, it's a really big change for them. It's, you know, many have never had things here and there, like, you know, the Sunday schools that they were dragged to when they were young. Like there's just no context for faith at all. And so, um, it's a big deal when they become Christians. And so I've seen maybe six months after these girls have become Christians, that's when it really tests them. Um, they have to choose between God and, um, you know, the security of doing things the way that maybe their culture would want them to, or their parents, their parents want them to have a secure situation and maybe being a Christian doesn't seem super secure and mm -hmm. girls going after your boyfriends who don't understand their faith and there's no context for them knowing that it's good to marry believers. And so things that we might think like, isn't that kind of obvious? Mm. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, I think you just grow to really love and cherish them. And, you know, they're like your sister, you're, they're like your children, <laughs> your spiritual children. And yeah. so I think when you know that, Jesus is the best thing and you see them taking a stand that will actually no, I don't think he is anymore. Um, it's hard because you know that that road is just going to be really empty for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really well put. And so right to, to have that hope, like, like what you know, John 10 grounds for us and just knowing that salvation is a spiritual work mm -hmm. and that none whom the Father gives to Jesus will ever be taken from him uh, in an everlasting sort of way. And so I'll certainly be joining you in praying uh, that, that they will see sooner than later that Jesus is is better uh, and that this would be a, a testing of their faith that ultimately leads to um, leads to, to deeper, more profound life in, in Jesus. Mm -hmm. I am sorry that uh, just how hard that is to mm. to see them where they're at right now. Mm. And now I wanted to ask too the uh, the experience of feeling like, okay, God, I've left everything from my life in the United States to come and be in China. I've spent the last five years two of them very intentionally learning the language mm -hmm. and uh and now i've got this crazy sickness that mm -hmm. is completely knocking me out mm -hmm. god if you, if you weren't going to use me right now right here why, why would you have me over here like that's just kind of the natural question mm -hmm. that that i would be be asking and i think that any of us really really would so how did you wrestle through that of like, I'm in China, I'm in a foreign land, I've got like a real mission and intentionality here, and yet I, I can't get out of bed, I can't do more than just my absolute responsibilities. Yeah. What, what was God was really teaching you during that time? Total dependence <laughs> on Him. I mean, it... How we, he just knows so much better than we do. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, there's sometimes this idea that somehow missionaries are like more holy or, you know, they sin less or, uh, you know, they're the intense radical Christians or whatever. And that is not true. (laughs) I mean, we desperately need the gospel and the Lord doesn't need us. And, um, and it's an honor to be used by him. They're just like, I hope many here are being, you know, are, are asking him to use them here, um, in a missional mindset. But I think sometimes there's this idea that maybe overseas missionaries are, you know, more obedient or this or that. And even missionaries themselves can easily feel that, you know, the guilt Mm -hmm. of, you know, what if I end up moving back home? Is it, is it okay? Am I still in the Lord's will? And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we just never know who needs the gospel. And, um, I don't know why God wanted me to come home, but it could have been one conversation that he wanted me to have with someone, um, you know, it could have been for my teammates in China. It could have been for a Chinese friend. It could have been for me to be reminded of my total dependence on him for, you know, something like your health that you were trying so hard to just fix, but you can't, you have to trust that he's going to fix it. And, um, so I think it's definitely helped me to have my eyes open to not necessarily, you know, which country are you living in or, you know, what are you doing, but what are you, are you, do you have the eyes to see, you know, who he's placing in front of you in that moment during that season? And um, are you being obedient to what he's calling and asking you to do in that season? And um, yeah. Answer your question. Yeah, no, that's really good. I'm like yeah. verbally yeah. processing yeah, things. Yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the goal. Um, that's, that's, and it, it's interesting. One of the things that you touched on, like the, the sort of pressure that comes with being a missionary mm-hmm. and, and wearing that label or title, mm-hmm. which is an honor, also, like, I imagine can really become like an identity, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day, like the ultimate identity that any of us bear is not pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, mother, father, sister, missionary. Mm -hmm. The the ultimate identity title that we bear is child of God, Mm -hmm. loved by by Jesus. So how has this this season helped you like in reestablishing your identity in in Jesus? as opposed to identity as missionary or identity as English teacher yeah. or any of the other things that would be easy to define yourself pr- primarily mm-hmm. as. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I've been so out of uh, a structure <laughs> for a few months now. And, um, you know, I'm not teaching. And there are moments when I thought, I'm like, well, I used to have a job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what was me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, when all those things are, are taken away, um, the Lord doesn't think any less of us, you know, and I think I just felt so needy, so needy coming back and, you know, my team's doing my classes for me and, my mommy's taking care of me and you know my dad's helping us drive places anyway it's just you know people are really taking care of me but you just feel like you can't do anything um and I think some of that you know um the missionary stuff of you know what is my identity and who am I first um I'm a child of God first and I think almost wanting to make sure that people know that. I feel like some of my conversations with people are like, you know, we need Jesus and I'm a sinner and almost like a little Debbie Downer because I'm trying so hard to help them see like we need prayer and, 
you know, we struggle with pride and we struggle with discontentment just as much as the next person. And sometimes it's heightened in just this cross-cultural situation. And um, yeah, there's just been a lot of grace, a lot of seeing his love despite my inability to do my job well due to sickness and despite my me feeling you know emotionally unstable at times when sometimes you just start crying and you don't even know why and then you're like I'm crazy and so it's sort of like one of the processes a lot of people living overseas go through go through is just that you know Sometimes you even sacrifice your emotional stability. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Uh, sure, sure, yeah. Oh, I think that's uh, that's really good though. Like to just remember that we have this treasure in in jars of clay, which is not a glamorous thing. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, as jars of clay, like we are fragile, and um, I mean, I think that the. Uh, the Greek context of of that that jar of clay is like it's it's pretty much a a worthless kind mm-hmm. of pot, and so what I hear you saying is is that like as a missionary in China, like it's it's not you who's the rock star, yeah. Like it's is Jesus that is the is the rock star, mm-hmm. and he's he's certainly using you to do amazing things and there is a an element to like be celebrated and recognized and to praise god for that like you've been faithful to heed his call Mm -hmm. to go and and yet also like a real encouragement of just hearing that as a missionary like there there wasn't something special in the water that you were drinking (laughs) that that nobody else got got access to Mm -hmm. um but it's it's the ordinary like faithful to Jesus. This is what Jesus has called me to do. And because he's calling me to do it, like I got to be dependent upon him mm-hmm. to provide all of the grace that I need to to do my job to serve well as a missionary. In a similar way that like frankly somebody who's called to be an accountant mm-hmm. is dependent upon God's grace to yeah. do accounting well and to do it faithfully mm-hmm. to the glory of God. One passage that's changed for me from, you know, when I first left to now is that um, Matthew 28, the go therefore and make disciples of all nations passage. It, it actually starts. So when I first heard that passage, I would always focus on that, like, go and make disciples part. But in the last few years, it's really shifted to kind of the first part of that passage that says, you know, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And then the last chunk that says, behold, I will be with you mm. even to the end. Um, there's been that shift from, you know, like, go get it to like, here I am, God. Like, I'm totally, you're with me. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yours is the authority. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be me. Yeah. So it's definitely been a shift in just learning that total dependence on his authority when living cross-culturally like that. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, that's really helpful. You've touched on this uh, this question some, I mean, just throughout the, the entire conversation. But as you look at the whole of the last, the last year in particular, as it kind of sounds like the heat of the trial has been turned up mm-hmm. with uh, well, the handful of different like things that are just coming together mm-hmm. um, with just feeling the amount of time that you've been gone uh, seeing uh, these girls that you've discipled and invested in, these spiritual children, mm-hmm. as you've referred to, walking away from, from from Jesus. And then now with all the health stuff. So as you look at all of that, how has Jesus become more real to you? I think a very common theme has been Jesus holding on to me, <laughs> um, carrying me through these difficult seasons, um, I think in in those times I did doubt his goodness. You know, do you really know what you're doing, God? I have some ideas about you know how you could do that a little differently, um, but I've never doubted that he is real. I never doubted that he was the answer. Um, 
he was really patient with me to carry me through some of those seasons of, uh, you know, not wanting to ask him for things because I didn't think that they were going to happen. And um, just some of the effects of, of the hard things going on and my lack, the lack of um, the ability to see past that circumstance to still see the Lord's goodness. And um, I think just that constant reminder that my feelings are not the standard for what truth is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, there were times where I just felt really just skeptical that God really knew what was best. And, and then I would read a Psalm and it, you know, it'd be Psalm 23 that, um, that he leads, he's our shepherd that I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures that he makes those girls who walked away, you know, lie down in green pastures. And, um, a lot of times it's just saying it out loud and asking that my heart would kind of follow. (laughs) And then now that I've looked back, I've seen that he really protected me from so much that I could have just sort of been like, all right, later God, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but there's never been a doubt that he was holding me in his hand during some of those really hard seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What were some of the, the means of grace that God used to keep and strengthen and encourage you. Some of the ways that that He, like the, the normal rhythms, people, mm-hmm. like whatever it may be, that uh, that He used to bolster your faith in the midst of such a, a difficult time. Uh, music was a really big deal. Um, there were times when I just wanted to listen and fill, fill my apartment space with words of truth, um, to, you know, cast out fears, to cast out spiritual darkness going on. And, um, the Lord used a lot of people, um, my roommate in language school, uh, we prayed a lot over our apartment, over these girls that we had spent a lot of time with and um, just that that encouragement through her was huge. Uh, My family has always been really supportive and uh, they love the Lord and they prayed a lot about things and um, and there's been friends here who have also you know, sent me emails who have been actively praying about things and, um, and then coming back to just, like I said, my feelings weren't quite what I wanted them to be, or I didn't feel like, Oh, I didn't pray a lot about this or that, but just the people that the Lord sort of just plopped (laughs) right in front of me that Mm -hmm. helped take care of me. I mean, that was, that was grace. And that was a reminder of his love and his care. And, um, yeah, there's this, there's a window right by my, or in my apartment. And one thing I miss when I'm in China is a lot of trees and nature and things like that. But um, right by my apartment, there's this woodsy area, which is not very common. And so my window looks out to these trees. And there was a lot of time that I spent just on my knees in front of that window, looking out to the trees and, um, just sort of that space of meeting with God and mm-hmm. verbalizing my inadequacies and my, um, you know, my fears and the unknowns. And, and so he's provided a lot of different spaces and places to connect with him. Um, yeah. 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 You've hit on this a few times, and it's such a beautiful truth that the Christian life is not a life of perfection. 
a life free from from failure and as you've talked about you know too like in uh, in times of weakness like i think for most of us all of us when we're feeling weak like some of the first things to go are like real quality time in the word or like real focused time in prayer because it's it's just hard when it it's like god where are you then to open up the word like it it you just feel like god are you gonna meet with me in this and then in prayer it's like i don't really know <laughs> what to say and yet i'm encouraged in hearing like these means of grace for you like are just continuing to come before god imperfectly like with some of those questions still in mind not knowing like all the answers feeling like yeah not as faithful in my bible reading as i would want to be a regular in, in communing with god and yet the the point being that the, the christian life is not a life of perfection but it's it's a life lived before god it's a life saying that at the end of the day, God, you're all that I have. Mm-hmm. When Jesus turns to his disciples after a huge crowd has just left him because he's said some hard things. Mm-hmm. And he looks at Peter and is like, so are you going to leave me too? Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, where else can I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Mm-hmm. And that's so much of what the the Christian life is. Is there's like I, I, don't, I don't really understand everything that's going on. I'm certainly not doing it perfectly, not doing it right. And yet, Jesus, I'm not leaving you. And so it's it's really encouraging to hear how God has held fast to you, how He has kept you, and in His keeping you, how you've held fast to Him, how you've uh, drawn near to him well thank you so much for taking the time here to share with us Uh, really encouraging to hear the ways that that god is at work and uh, we'll be praying that he multiplies his grace to you thank you thanks for listening to this episode of gospel stories gospel stories is a production of cities church You can learn more about Cities Church and find all kinds of great resources by visiting cityschurch.com. We'll be back soon with another story of a Cities Church member's experience of God's extraordinary grace. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that the next episode automatically shows up in your feed. If you were encouraged by this episode, please leave us a review, or better yet, give it a share so that more people can hear about the work of Jesus in the life of his people. A very special thanks to Sarah Groves for our theme music. If you haven't listened to Sarah Groves' music, definitely check her out. And finally, if you have a story that you'd like to share, please head on over to cityschurch.com slash stories to find our submission form. Thanks so much for tuning in. You'll hear from us again soon. Just for